Welcome to the Vocation Creation Podcast, helping you create the work you can't wait to wake up to do. Get inspired by people who have designed their own unique vocation and entrepreneurial experts sharing valuable information on starting and growing your business. Now, here's Jennifer Wendell with Vocation Creation. Welcome to the Vocation Creation Podcast, Sheldon Primus, a safety consultant and trainer from Ocala, Florida. Hello, Sheldon. Hey, how are you? Oh, fantastic. It's a beautiful day in Minnesota for some strange reason. We were just talking about our respective weathers and Florida is not a beautiful day today. <sighs> it's just humid. It's hot. If I had hair, it'd be sticking up on end. <laughs> Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm actually a little frizzy today myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you get a little Florida going on in the head. <laughs> so, Sheldon, describe what you do for our listeners. How do you describe the work that you do at this point? Yeah, so for me, what I'm doing right now, and I have a few different hats that I wear, and one of the primary things, I am an active safety and health cons, uh, consultant. So truly, if an organization needs to have someone come in and give them a little run of the or state of the union of our organization for safety and health, I'm that person. I'll do that as well as I keep people in compliance with OSHA. And then I also will represent them. If there is an issue, I'll represent them in with OSHA. And I've been doing that. I started my business in 2008. And right around 2013, I just kept getting a lot of, um, I also teach for a group called uh, Cert Certified Occupational Safety Specialist and Certificate of Occupational Safety Managers. And when I had students come out of my class, they're like, how do I do what you do? And the question came up so much, I decided to to do a quick little book on it, which is my first and only book, but I keep thinking of doing another one. I'm like, I could do it. But I did a book that starting a profitable consulting company. And then I did a course that started from the book. And now today, the other hat that I wear is I mentor safety consultants to help them uh, get their business going. And there's a lot of other mini hats along the way, but those are the two main things that I've been doing throughout the last couple of years since mentoring 2013 but the business 28 uh, 2008 wow so it sounds like your business has developed and grown a lot since you started it 12 years ago 12. just out of curious yeah 12 yeah. years <laughs> just out of curiosity um if you don't mind getting into the numbers uh how much of your income now comes from what you had traditionally been doing which is the occupational safety consulting versus now you're more coaching, teaching, and guiding and mentoring other occupational safety consultants? Like what, how does your income stream, how has that made up for you lately? Uh, sorry about the dogs, but yes. Yeah, so how many streams of income do you have now? And what is the most robust of those streams at this point? Let's start with, uh, with the one that I said is, is probably the one that I'm doing the most right now and that is uh, actual instruction. So I've been teaching for quite a while, uh, teaching those two courses, and it's as a third-party consultant or third-party instructor. So truly uh, doing that work, and then also some instructing that I have done myself. So the training aspect right now is, is the primary source of income so far. A secondary has been uh, probably, it's a tie, but 
let's go with instructional design because I just had three companies uh, within a week of each other reach out to me either to do uh, repeat business from before when I was doing some work with them or to actually just introduce themselves to me and see if I want to come on board with them. So uh, that would be my second. And then the actual consulting side, and that would be my third stream of income as in tier, as far as percentage of work I'm doing. And then the very last would be the mentoring slash labor of love of podcasting and all the other stuff, which, you know, right now it's, it's not as it was earlier, but I believe it's because of me because I, it's only one me. <laughs> so it's hard to split of uh, eight hour day. If you want to say that my days are, are, are not really eight hours. I, yeah, maybe some days are eight, some days are 12, some days are two. <laughs> it depends. Right. And I'm, I'm really glad to hear you say that, you know, especially the term labor of love, because on this show, on Vocation Creation, we talk about and to people who are basically doing the work that really lights them up and that other people get really excited about paying you for. And a lot of people, I think, maybe have the assumption or the mindset that the work you love is going to be something that's um, maybe artistic or something in the traditional creative fields. What you're doing, Sheldon, sounds to me very creative, but if I were to tell somebody, just point blank, that uh, I have a show about doing what you love and I'm featuring an occupational safety specialist, they might not think that those two things go hand in hand. And I love the fact that clearly you are passionate about occupational safety and keeping people safe on the job and you've turned it into your business and it is not traditionally creative endeavor, but it clearly is because you're creating guidance, you're creating instruction, you're creating new entrepreneurs under yourself through your mentorship. Do you think of yourself as a creative person or has that not really been part of your identity? I have always been creative and it may not have been in the most constructive ways. <laughs> so I do think of myself as being you know, one of those people that are creative only because my mind works that way. I, and I'm not saying constructive is and, and destructive as being something bad. It just means more for me as time waster versus not time waster. <laughs> So for me, I would get. Oh, I know that I live that. <laughs> it's just squirrel. You get that dog which sees the squirrel, and all of a sudden that takes over their mind. Is I gotta get this thing. That's me sometimes with non-productive things, and all of a sudden I'm three, four hours in and learning about something just so minute, no one else will care about. But here I am, headlong into it. And then there's some of these things where you know, creatively, I was one of the. I decided to jump on the Bitcoin thing really early. And, uh, and I did not stay with it because of the way my mind goes where I was into it for a while. And back when it first got started in roughly, I think it was about 2010, 20, 2008, maybe right around that time it was getting really big. Just I shouldn't say big. It was just starting out. And my mind was like, oh yeah, I love this new thing. It's creative. It's something fun. And I got into it and then I was buying these uh, coins when they were like, 
I remember 20, 35 bucks. And I was like, oh yeah, I'll do it. I'll get me a Bitcoin. And then when it started going up to a hundred and 200, and now we're at what, 8,000 or 10,000. I'm like, I should have stuck with it. Too bad my mind wasn't <laughs> focused in back then. So yeah, I've been creative and things like that. It's just, sometimes I just don't, uh, I don't look for the outcome per se. I look for the fun factor. And this right now has been really fun for me. I just love helping people start their business. And it turned out that now it's more than just safety consulting. It's just a consultant truly is what, what people have been gravitating to me for. Nice. Just out of curiosity, how did you get into the occupational safety field in the first place? Was that something that you learned through work? through employment and then you went out on your own or was it something that you studied as an adult and decided that you had a passion for? Actually, when I got started, it was 94. So they didn't have uh, too many schooling tracks for this. So I got in it the way most people do, where it's either by accident or some, sometimes literally by accident. <laughs> You just got an accident and we can't have you because now you're injured. So you can't do this other job, but we want to keep you employed. So your safety. <laughs> I didn't do That's that. That's a punishment. <laughs> you have yeah, to learn yeah, about safety now that you completely disregarded our safety rules. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what I did was um, I was working for the city of Orlando at the time and they had this rotating safety position and it was a two-year commitment at first and what I got out of it, at, or at least the reason I got into it was I was a wastewater operator, just brand new at that time. Wastewater is anything you flush or pour down the drain. Dirty water has to go somewhere to get cleaned up and be reused later on. And I was one of the uh, process operators at the time. And with the city of Orlando, they said, we need somebody or this particular plant in the city. They said, we need someone to do safety. And I just said, all right. No, I'll do it. Uh, I got an office and then I also got what's called a procurement card, which means I could buy stuff. And I was like, all right, not only do I get an office, but I get to buy stuff. Let's do this thing. And, and that's how I got into safety because truly I wanted to have my office to put my feet up and hang out and get out of the summer in Florida and then also be able to buy things. And I was like, all right, foray into safety. That's really how I started. And it's it's uh it's been history since then, yes. That's right. Oh my gosh. So just out of curiosity, it sounds like the work that you do is very able to be done virtually or digitally. Has the global pandemic affected your work or your workflow at all? Yeah, for me, because I do so much training that the training aspect has taken a hit, especially now when you have to think of quarantine states. And then also you need to think about how many, uh, how much occupancy you can have in a place. So sometimes it doesn't pay off for a person to fly me in, do a class, put me out for a week, and then also uh, only have a lower capacity. So truly that in effect, the physical classes have been, you took away a source of revenue. But on the flip side, people that are going virtual, and since they've been doing uh, the SME and the actual instructional designing for so long. My name happened to be one of the first to come up to some companies. So that's why I've had a, a shift, let's say, in the income due to the pandemic. But then the other thing that it's kind of like a, a little bit on an unintended consequence side, but with 
the way that everything's worked with the pandemic itself. And when I usually travel globally, maybe once, twice a year for business, now that's completely gone because we now, as Americans going to other places, I would have to do a two-week quarantine. And then that means I would be working in the hotel for two weeks or something, but it's going to make it where it's two weeks out of my dime, you know, out of my pocket. So does it really balance out where I'm making enough money for the week I'm supposed to be there, but three weeks, then I'm away. So that's the the bigger issue right now. So my international business has gone a little bit wild. So I, I have to make sure that I do as much as I can with my international clients, just pretty much online. Has that been difficult or has it been a relatively easy transition? Uh, actually, for me, I've been doing it for for a good while now. I started transitioning online since 2017. Yeah, right around there because my son graduated from high school and my kids are older than yours. So <laughs> when he graduated from high school, my wife and I, uh, we decided that our, our empty nest plan was to buy an RV and go travel because at that time I was traveling roughly uh, a little under 200 days a year I was either in a hotel or traveling somewhere so we decided when uh, my son graduated like all right let's do this let's go ahead and (laughs) travel together so I at that time three roughly three years ago transitioned from more in-person type client work to doing as much as I can online and then scheduling once a quarter to come back and seeing physical clients but this just make sure I had a little roadmap of what part of the U.S. I need to be per quarter. Yeah, so I've been doing Smart. that. Smart. And and what a wonderful setup for now, today's uh, global pandemic <laughs> environment. How do you market and advertise your business? Ah, so marketing is fun because truly when I was a wastewater operator, I decided I'm going to go back to school so I could show the kids that they should get an education and so I decided that I was going to go to school. I didn't want to go to school for just anything in just a bachelor of arts or anything not not to like to you know art shame somebody with a bachelor you got your bachelor's is good but truly for me i want to do something that would be fun for me again my pursuit for fun and um, my pursuit for fun led me to marketing (laughs) so i was thinking of how to and throughout my uh career and my business, I had to do it in different ways. So first, when I got started was more business cards and some website because it was something that you needed to do at that time. So I got into as much as I could to social media. 2008, social media was still you know, fairly new for business. Most of the time, it was just uh, personal stuff. And I was uh, pre-LinkedIn days. So uh, truly, I, I was able to do my marketing uh, face-to-face. I did the networking meetings for a while, but then after wanting to gouge my eyes out, I said, all right, no more. (laughs) I'm just done with these. Yeah, that's not fun. (laughs) It's not fun. You go in the rooms and you're in a little room and you have to do a one minute or an even less 30 second uh, little talk about who you are and what you do. And then it goes to the next person and you never really could squeeze into those clicks unless you've been there long enough. So it was a waste of my time. So at that time uh, of my business was about two years in. 
and I decided I need to do this thing a little differently. So the reason I, I chose to do things differently was because I was committed to not going back to working for anyone else. I was just done. I was burnt from uh, government work at the time. So what I chose to do was I chose to uh, create more of a pathway of using other people's, I should say other entities, their membership. So I started marketing myself to associations so that now I could be a representative of this association and they have hundreds and hundreds of members in some cases. So instead of me trying to market to each individual tree, I went to some forest and say, hey, <laughs> let me get into here and then let's work this together. And then the forest actually opened up to me. And then that's how I got to growing the business is I grew it through someone else's work, if you will, but I added value. So I made sure that anytime I got into uh, working with an association or working with someone who had a, a team of members that I brought them value and then their members individually started coming to me and that grew the business. Wow. I love that approach. I love associations. I'm very much a joiner and I think associations are so fun. And I know membership associations have a bit of a challenge these days trying to keep membership up. So do you still work with, with organizations and associations and how do you help them continue to bring value to their members so that their members stay involved and keep renewing their membership? Or, is that, or have you gotten away from that form of marketing? I'm still in because it just makes so much sense to me. And then as I can get another association, it's just another pool that opens up of potential clients. So what I offer them is uh, most of these places, they need occupational safety help. And the longer I've been in it and the more I've been uh, devoted to the craft, I get a little bit better at it. And each year I've been getting a little bit better at it. I get a little bit better at it. So what I do is I help them by giving them a couple, well, more. <laughs> it's been more than a couple. I give them a bunch of free hours, meaning that uh, if you have one of your members that have an OSHA issue, send them to me. I'll talk it over with them. And then uh, I'm not going to give them any service yet. But what I'll do is I'll give them the pathway they may need to go. If they choose to use me, it's up to them. But it's a service that you now can offer that is going to help where you could keep more clients. And then I also do free events for them too. So I'll come out physically at pre-COVID and do OSHA updates or I'll do a safety and health topic that they may need, maybe an ergonomic topic or a topic about office safety or something similar to that. And that would be a, something that they could use so that the actual membership group can say, all right, we're getting some freebies from this company. And then I would give them some coupon codes and all of that for some of my online things so that they now could offer discounts. So that's the way wow. that, that I've developed. That is absolutely genius. That is truly the definition to me of a win are reaching their members and literally giving them a plan that not only helps them through a crisis, but also literally markets your business for free. <laughs> and, and they're getting that kind of consulting service. And, and I, wow, I absolutely love that approach. Yeah, oh. and you, you really can't um, 
you can't give away the farm per se, but right. what you can do is you can lease the property. <laughs> right. Just, just for a little while. Just, uh, you know, I put in some, I make sure that it, they know that if it's going to take more than a half hour or intense research, then that's going to be a part of my hourly rate or something similar to that. Yes. Uh, or if they need something that is going to uh, include me having to use my insurance in any way, uh, then now that is going to be more of a consultant client uh, thing. And if I'm talking to an insurance company, because at this point, a lot of insurance companies reach out to me and they say, hey, Sheldon, our client needs you, OSHA's there, or something similar to that. So I'll have to go and mitigate right away. So at that point, uh, the insurance company then is paying. And in some cases, I've got one insurance company that pays $5,000 just for safety things. So I make the client aware. So now they know that my services now can be reimbursed from uh, their insurance company. So it makes them easier for them to hire me. So uh, that's, that's great. how it works. That's another win-win. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. can use your services and someone else can pay for it <laughs> through, okay. through premiums that we all pay, <laughs> which is good. That's why we pay them. Oh, that's wonderful. It sounds like you've had an extremely successful career. You've built a lot of different income streams and ways to reach your market. But what has been, on the other hand, the biggest failure you've experienced while building your business? And why do you think that happened? Oh, I could tell you both <laughs> failure and why it happened very vividly. <laughs> so here's what uh, one of my biggest, and, and it was truly something that I was just so happy to do. There's a company out there, a publishing company called Elsevier, and they're the people that do Science Direct. And they reached out to me early in my career to, to do a waste order uh, manual, basically. It was a waste order math manual, and it was for education purposes that they would end up using in the school setting. And I got 200 pages in on this thing, and I needed a whole lot more uh, because of the way that this broke down. And I just kept getting stuck and just couldn't finish this thing so much so that I had to back out of a contract. And it just killed me because when I first got the, the call, I'm like, hold on, Science Direct, <laughs> Elsevier, do they know who I am? And they actually reached out to me because of all the marketing that I was doing for other people and YouTube videos and other ways that I would market myself. They found me through uh, the internet, through a YouTube video, and uh, then just followed me along that way for different things. And for me, I learned that I have to say no to some things. Truly, I felt it when I was signing that contract that I'm in over my head only because of that type of work. I wasn't aware of how I could write a book, a, an actual textbook in that way. And then the dedication I didn't have. I was starting a business. That's where my energy would have been. I didn't have anything to fall back on. So therefore, me spending the time to complete this manual would have been where I would spend all my energy in that and not be able to pay the bills. So it, it was just a bad timing for me at that time. So therefore what I learned is I have to, though opportunity and especially for those that are, that are just getting started and you're scared to get going, once you do and just stick to it, but opportunity just 
throws itself at you after a while. And then your mind, once you get out of the institutionalized work of always punching a clock for a certain your boss and everything else and doing certain things off throughout your whole day. And now your day opens up and your ideas, your mind and everything starts opening up because you're in it for you now, uh, then truly opportunity seeks you out. So the thing that you'll have to figure out is, is this an opportunity that's ready for me right now? Or is this something I can't do yet? And therefore, no, <laughs> you have to learn to say no and put up that boundary with yourself and say, Sheldon, you can't take this on. Jennifer, not now. <laughs> Unless your so. name isn't Sheldon or Jennifer, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Be Sheldon's and Jennifer out there. Listen up. Learn how to say no to yourself. So was there any sort of professional fallout from that uh, decision to not continue that project and r- delete the contract? Um, not in this uh, case because we, we had a nice open uh, conversation and the, the handler that they, they assigned to me. Me and him, we had a real good relationship, so I always kept them abreast, and then I let them keep the, I think it was almost up to 300, maybe 400 pages that I was ready in. I, I let them keep that as well, because, hey, that's, that was part of the contract. We just, I'm not even going to worry about this. So truly, in that situation, there wasn't. In other situations, uh, not professional fallouts per se, but it just made me a little bit upset was having to, I'm not too sure what the percentage of your audience is going to be consultants themselves, but if you're your own consultant, your own boss, your own business, you might have to wear the hat of being a collector too. And collections sucks <laughs> all the way around. And that's one of the things that I had to, had to learn the hard way professionally is do contracts. Just, I don't want to. It just bugs me to even have to give someone a contract or something like that. And I just got to. It just, it's just the right thing to do professionally. And therefore, I have to learn that one. And it's still, I'm still not a fan, but I have to anyway. Yeah, it seems like you should just be able to say, here's what I'll do. Here's what you're going to pay me. Let's get going. But it doesn't quite work that way, does it? Yeah. And it's a hard lesson learned. So if I could share anything with you and there's others there's like really good template services out there now and i use them whenever i can but that was a hard lesson learned it's just come on just go ahead sit down fill out this contract fill out this proposal even before the contract get this proposal right with all the wording you need to make sure that the person reading this proposal will get a clear scope of what's going to happen, what is going down with this, with this business contract. And then and what will happen if it doesn't go down. <laughs> and that's all in it. Yeah. That, that's a lesson learned. Since we're talking about things like proposals and we're talking about tools and resources, what are the best uh, free or low cost business building resources that you know of? And what are some that maybe aren't, low cost or free, but are invaluable to you and your business? Yeah, I use a network of things and uh, truly good old Professor Google helps me out with quite a bit. (laughs) But one of the things I have found is government agencies such as local cities and counties, they do have to make things public. Not everything, but some things are public. So what I would actually do is I'll look down their procurement sites, 
see what contracts were already awarded, download those contracts. If it's possible, if not, I'll, uh, sometimes they have a, a block where you can't download the contract, but they already redact information you shouldn't have before they post it publicly. And I will reverse engineer those contracts. Uh, so that's how I'm getting a lot of my templates is sometimes I would truly reverse engineer those things. And uh, there's another way that you might be able to, to find this is if you have an administration that regulates you, they usually have a sample document page on their websites. So you would have to just go ahead, uh, go on their website. For me, I deal with OSHA a lot or I deal with the Environmental Protection Agency. And I would just look in their search box and type in sample programs. And a lot of the times they already have documents there available for you just to be able to download. Oh, and I just want to say, too, I know those people are so wanting to help. My sister uh, works for the Pollution Control Agency in the state of Minnesota, and uh, she worked in the Industrial Stormwater Division for us many years. And, oh, my gosh, if a person would call her and be like, my feedlot has industrial stormwater that runs off, what can I do? She would spend hours on the phone with you helping you figure out how you could meet regulations, change your feedlot, better be, have less runoff. And she would point you to any document, any resource that she might have at her disposal, because they don't want to find people. (laughs) They don't want to have to tell people that they're doing things wrong. They want people to do, and that's what they're there for is to help them. So I can tell you that just picking up the phone and calling someone in local, state, or federal government, you might be incredibly surprised at how much they will give you in order to help you do their job to help their jobs be better. Yeah. And I've seen that quite a bit where uh, I can't call somebody. And sometimes if you're insured and uh, let's say you're working for someone currently and you, you can access the insurance company, there's so many services that's available for you that currently you may not be using and you could even call them and they're just ready to help. They're just like, Oh yes. (laughs) Because then that means that the person who's waiting for that service to be used, they now can say, Hey, don't cut my position. People are actually using this service. (laughs) That too. It shows they're actually getting something done in their job. Oh, so totally true. Yeah. And that's really how I, a lot of the things I've used, uh, some things I actually have to network and say, Hey, uh, anybody in this association have a contract that I could use for this type of work? And then that's another way that I, I get most of my legal type things. I would ask for, for some help from someone else. And if they're willing to share, they'll send me a blank template and then I'll go ahead and uh, use that one. And so that's some, some of the ways that you, it doesn't hurt to reach out, even if you do the exact same thing as someone else. That's all right. They might help you anyway especially if they're in a different part of the country where those kinds of things actually matter. Uh, mm-hmm. But sometimes people are just really nice and they just like to talk about what they do too. And it's sometimes you, you meet someone who does what you do and it's like an instant friendship because you guys know each other, the challenges that each other faces and you have someone to vent to then. So yeah, not every competitor is a competitor. <laughs> Absolutely. You get to vent. I like that one. So what do you, what do you, getting these people and you're saying, oh, I can't stand this. And then you go off on them. Your family can only hear about 
your job so much. Eventually, you have to find someone else with the same job so you can vent together, right? That's right. <laughs> so what can you advise and what do you advise the people um, that you're mentoring into starting their own businesses? Uh, what are you advising about starting or growing a business right now during the global pandemic? If anything, you know, is different now than you would before, advise them. Actually, uh, great question because now there's a catalyst. Some people know the chopping block is coming or they could get that sense that if there's another wave that needs to be let go for this organization to stay solvent, I could be in that next wave. So what I would suggest now is to get your groundwork. I'm not saying don't do anything unethical and start stealing clients from your current business. You can't do anything like that. That's frowned upon. No, shame on you. <laughs> but what you can do is uh, you want to make sure that you actually get your groundwork going, meaning uh, pick a business name and we want to pick a name that is going to show people exactly what you do and go ahead as opposed to Primus Enterprises. All right, nice name. People love the Primus, but that's not telling them anything. So if I even said Sheldon Safety Services, that might even be harder because who Sheldon to them? They don't know that. So if and I said- What kind of services about safety? <laughs> Correct. You put down tape in people's bathtubs so they don't slip or you <laughs> consult for factories or whatever. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you know, what you can do then is truly pick a name that's going to say what you do and have your client resonate with that name. Go ahead and get that registered in the state you're in. And then after that, get your employee identification number with the IRS. You're ready for a business between S Corp and LLC and sole proprietor, it's all up to your uh, accountant for that one. But in order for you to start switching into another business, go do that. And that might already be maybe 200 uh, that you're going to spend on that. And then the next thing I would do is start looking for a solution to that you actually have the answer to. So it may not actually be in the company or the field that you're involved in, but just think of all the times and take a mental note. Just whenever you answer the same question over and over again, even if you're in accounting and someone keeps asking you about how did you do this with your food prep with your family? I just can't do that. And you have to explain the same thing over and over again you're letting go of a business. The, the, the business is, is, is telling you, come alive. <laughs> I want to be born. And if you keep answering that question over and over again, then here's your chance during this COVID time to really value what your intuition is telling you, what the universe is. And I'm one of these woo-woo people. So I believe in that stuff. <laughs> so the universe is screaming something to you. It's going to get louder and louder so it's better for you to to take control now when it's a whisper than when all of a sudden you're fired and now what do i do and then all of a sudden the inspiration comes yet again and this time it's screaming at you uh, do it now when it's nice and quiet and then this is the things to do during this time period as much as you can while you're still employed and i'm not saying or wishing that anyone doesn't get leave gainful employment, but it is truly something that it is better to start a business or even think about a business when there's security than to try to do it on the fly. So uh, maybe that's 
my message and everything. Yeah. One, one resource that I've found I think has been really helpful for a lot of people that I've talked to um, has been a free website called Quora, Quora.com. Have you heard of that? It's a place, yeah, where people just literally ask questions and it is separated into 500, 600 different categories and subcategories large categories like psychology and business and health and relationships. And then it narrows down and narrows down until you have these like esoteric topics, like uh, song lyric meanings. For instance, that's one of the categories that I have posted a lot in because I'm, you know, huge into music. And so it's really interesting. I've found or I've advised people to find the categories that they're most interested in on Quora and the categories that they have the most knowledge about and just answer some questions that people are asking. And suddenly you start to realize where your body of knowledge lies and where where the true interest, because you might have a whole bunch of knowledge about something that you're not at all interested in and you don't care and you never want to talk about it again, but it's your day job, so you know everything. But if you're drawn to answering questions about a certain topic, and you're drawn to researching more to answer better, I think that's a really huge clue. Like you were just saying, what questions can you answer for people? That might be a way that people can explore those topics and see what really gets them excited to talk about further and to answer and to give people help with. And truly, once, you're, once you do that, let's do that first and then start the business. <laughs> yes. Because uh, you really need the groundwork where if you need to make a pivot and there's a a lady who wrote a book, Jenny Blake, and I think it's called pivot or pivoting, maybe probably pivot. That sounds. I think it is actually. I've seen the book before. Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, and her whole thing was just being, being open to that and switching and how to do that successfully. Cause the chops will always be there for the thing that you've been doing forever and ever. So that's always the fallback plan, especially if you're licensed in a field. If something comes back, then go ahead and do freelance work in that as if it's the ethical to do so without a non-compete. So if you could actually start doing something for yourself a little bit at a time or days off or anything like that, then that might be a good way to, to get in it if you want to stay in the same field. But if you do feel like there's something else that's pulling you, then Truly, the best way to really let it go would be starting in some of these smaller groups like Facebook or maybe even LinkedIn if it's a professional thing and get in like minds. Let you let let that stuff go together and, and see what, what you could glean from the group, what you could give back to the group because it should be a give and take. And then from there, that might give you some ideas of how to branch out even more. So that might be a practical way of getting that fire stoked in you before you actually go out and and start leaving jobs and everything. You you don't want to leave jobs yet. (laughs) Yeah. Part of the the process that I advocate and that I, I very much believe in is incremental development. Sometimes you just take the tiniest little step, just a little bitty brave step towards something. And then you feel how that feels. And then you take another step toward it if it keeps pulling at you or a step toward something else if it doesn't. So yeah, it's uh, definitely to me, it's a process of discovery and action. You need to take that action, as you're saying, Sheldon, go out 
and try something on or try answering questions about it or try seeing if people respond to your expertise in an area. And if so, and you love it, then keep going. Yeah. And talk to your significant other. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> they probably know or, or could feel something that says, you probably be better doing this and you're happier or I could feel you or see you doing this a little bit better than what you were thinking. And I would listen to their significant other if you've got one. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. Are your friends or your family? It's amazing. They will notice things about you that you will never understand or that you've never noticed that they noticed until you ask or yeah. they just happen to bring it up. Like you might hear your siblings say, wow, you really seem to like this new part of your job. It seems like it's going really well. And, and you're like, oh, yeah, I guess I have been talking about my job more lately. I, I do really like this new direction that my company is going or whatever it might be. Yeah. And then there's other ways to make money too, secondarily. So let's say the topic that you like, definitely I would say go on the podcast route. There's plenty of podcast services now that will let you advertise from day one. And then you could actually go ahead and advertise on the podcast or you could do something similar to affiliate marketing on blogs or something similar to that. It's been around for a while. And it can get played if you don't actually have a good affinity to the things you're promoting and not just promoting, but something that you truly care about. And now you could do an affiliate, a percentage of whatever it is, then that's another way to start making money a little bit at a time before you take a full you know, leap. Like a, I interviewed a lady, Jules DeJesus Fritz. So Jules... She had a very tough injury, a workplace injury that uh, she needed back surgery for. And then also she had an inoperable uh, brain tumor. So she actually was able to get into makeup. And uh, she, if you ever heard of Doll Face by Jules, that's her makeup line. <laughs> and she I have makeup. heard of that actually. And I'm not yeah. much of a makeup person. <laughs> And she's a celebrity makeup artist and she wow. got into it a little bit at a time and actually she's got out of that now. She pivoted it again and now she does personal personal care things with her and her husband. They talked about meditation and being a good place and so she's transitioned out of that. But when she got into doing makeup, it was just people were asking to do her makeup, their makeup, and then uh, she just kept doing it more and more and then all of a sudden she said, I'll do this as a a, a personal business. I'll go out to people's houses, not just she thought because of looking at somebody in a bridal. I think it was just a wedding party. And she's like, for the one day of this lady's life, she's getting doted on and she's actually putting on the makeup and beautiful dress and hair down and everything like that. Why can't I recreate for that for somebody on demand whenever they need to get that feeling? So even while she was applying makeup and everything else that she was doing, uh, she's also caring to the soul of the person and just the individual at the same time. So she branched, that's what basically was the catalyst to branch her out into what she's currently doing. But if she didn't have that thought to say, hey, I do makeup so much, let me just start put money to it. <laughs> That's exactly it. And I think that really speaks to something that has come up a couple times in this interview already, which is that when you find something 
and and I'm not too much of a woo-woo person, but a little bit. It's uh, not to overstate it, but it's like the universe starts responding to it and opening up uh, avenues for you. You're not too far away. <laughs> I definitely feel like things start working for you and with you instead of against you when you find the right thing. Like this podcast, I you know, put together a description for it and I had people interested immediately. I just happened to mention it in one small forum on Facebook and I had people, like 20 people saying, oh, this sounds amazing, I want to be part of it or I can't wait to listen to it, show me where to subscribe. And I'm like, wow, I haven't even literally it's just this is a podcast i'm going to be starting one paragraph and it's just really taken off and that's really fulfilling feeling to know that this is something that people want and need and that there's a place for it and i think that you've said that too in this interview that sometimes that you just you just don't feel like you're swimming against the tide it just starts happening for you and things then your mind sees more ways to take advantage yeah. of your opportunities and, and grow and branch out farther. It just becomes something that it will be birthed by your decision to just say yes. Finally, you say yes, and then you make one action. All it takes is one action for you is just going ahead and do a little paragraph on your Facebook. But one action is that little spark and, uh, and the seed. And the universe, look at you using the universe, throw in a couple of uh, chakra alignments and, and uh, maybe uh, some essential oils and you're in with me. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much for all of this information. Where can our listeners connect with you online? I'm easy. Sheldonprimus.com. Ta-da. Ta-da. <laughs> and will you have information on the courses, the book that you have out, the mentorships and, and the consulting work that you do, it's all there on SheldonPrimus.com? Yeah, and truly, if you do uh, SheldonPrimus.com and then for the course, it's SafetyConsultantBlueprint.com. And, uh, and I think I have a link to that on the main website, but truly, if it's Safety Consultant, then it's me. <laughs> but SafetyConsultantBlueprint.com is the actual course. And then safetyconsultantpodcast.com is the podcast. Perfect. So those how, are the many, ones. how many episodes do you have of your podcast out? I think you're well into it, right? I think my next one will be 85. Mm, congratulations. I can't wait to be there myself. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. All the mics are on back order now because yeah. everyone in the brother is podcasting. Yep. And it's still fun. So don't shy away because it's still starting yes. think about people who are doing youtube and you could see youtube channel after youtube channel think about that now with podcasts it's still far less than youtube channels so it's still in you could go for it oh absolutely and and especially the more niched you are how many I don't think you probably have to fight off the hordes of occupational safety podcasts right they're coming pretty deep now are they they are starting to flood in really good. At least you're not no doing a... I'm, I'm the one and only right now. Good for you. At least you're not doing a Live Your Dreams podcast like me. <laughs> yeah, that's key because truly people, they get stuck on the minutia of life and don't live. So what you're doing is teaching people it's okay to actually live your dream so that you can have fulfillment in life and not just go through the motions. So it's good. You need this. Couldn't have said it better myself. Sheldon Primus, you are a font of wisdom. Thank you so much for being here. 
Thank you so much for having me. I had fun. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Vocation Creation Podcast. Join me each week for inspiration and motivation to do the work you can't wait to wake up to. I'm Jennifer Wenzel. Find more at vocationcreation.com.